Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. It's absolutely lovely to be in the building with all of you here, and it is lovely um, to be in your homes with all of you who are joining us um, via live stream, uh, stream and maybe watching this at a... Um, another time during the week. You are very, very, very welcome. Very welcome. Um, I'm going to pray before I start. Um, I'm really excited to be speaking to you this morning, to be preaching, and I do have a, a, a sense in my heart as every Sunday that the Lord really wants to speak to us this morning. Um, this morning I will be preaching to myself as well to you. Uh, this um, sermon is, whew, it's for me. I'm just going to say that. And I hope that it is for some of you listening. So let's pray together. That last worship song we sang to Jesus just really hit me right in my heart. You are worthy of it all, Lord Jesus. Whatever way we find ourselves this morning, Father whether we are in the middle of a battle, whether we are having a really good time at life, we place that before you and we say, you're worthy of it all. You deserve the glory and we give that to you this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for grace and mercy and community. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, as a community, we have been walking through a really amazing series called Rebuild. I hope you guys have enjoyed it and it's been really helpful for you. It's been incredible for me. Um, whether the arrival of COVID-19 made in the subsequent lockdowns and restrictions and all of that have made the last 18 months really difficult for you or whether you've been one of the people that have actually found um, a wee bit of life in the slowing down and the restructuring of life, the reality is that the next 18 months are going to look different again, aren't they? It's not going to be the same. And it makes for a really good moment right now for us to be pausing and reflecting and assessing what parts of our lives are working really well for us and, and what parts need rebuilt and reworked. And we need to do this all as individuals, don't we? But we also need to do this as a church family. And that's where we are at the moment. And that's why we're talking about things like emotionally healthy spirituality and walking through grief and loss and following the crucified Jesus and not the westernized consumeristic Jesus. We're talking about these things because when asked what was the most important command in scripture, Jesus responded by saying, love God and love your neighbor. And we cannot love well without dealing with these issues. We just can't. So today, if you see me pausing in my sermon to take notes for myself, you know it's because the Holy Spirit is speaking to me too. I want to read a scripture together this morning. Um, it's one that I grew up hearing a lot of and probably, to be quite honest with you, sort of took it for granted and just um, 
didn't really truly understand it. But I've been thinking about this as I've been preparing um, this sermon today. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 6. And in this chapter, this is the last chapter of Ephesians where Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And he's talking to them about going through tough times and fighting battles and, and needing to be ready. And in verse 13, he says, so therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Isn't that beautiful? Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And then after you have done everything to stand. Andrew and I and the kids last year just finished building a house. And the thing that I found really interesting about building a house, and, and before that we had a uh, old house that we sort of restored. And in both of those processes, very different processes, but uh, the thing that was the same, um, if anybody has ever done any work on your house or built a house, you understand the heartache when you realize most of the work, and for us, most of the money, went into the part of the structures that you never saw. It wasn't in the fun stuff like the paint or the tiles or the kitchen or whatever that I dreamt that we were gonna spend all this time on. No, it was in things like insulation. Um, didn't realize how important that was. Piping, plumbing. The stuff that just is not fun, you don't see it. And it's the same for your spiritual life or your spiritual structure or your spiritual house. Everybody loves the stuff we can see, don't we? When we get to look lovely and spiritual and, oh, you know, I have friends whose kids, they pray without being prompted. Oh, <gasps> what is that like? But you know why? Because they put in the work and the really boring bits that no one else sees. And this is what this rebuild is about. That a lot of the work we're going to be putting in is in the parts that no one else is going to see. It doesn't feel great necessarily, but it will produce a strong structure, a strong house. Now, anybody have um, a friend that's ever run a marathon? Now, if you have to think too hard about it, you don't have that friend because um, if you did, you would know because they never shut up about it. Stuart Bothwell. And as I've listened to said friend who will remain nameless, Mr. Bothwell, I've learned a lot about marathons, all sorts of information that I have absolutely no use for in my life because I will never be running a marathon. Um, and that I would go as far to say some of the information just left me a bit scarred, to be quite honest with you. Um, stuff that no one needs to know, even like around the bathroom habits of some marathon runners that ironically don't involve a bathroom at all. But one thing, no, I'm just kidding. She goes, that's not me. I didn't, that, that wasn't my stuff. Um, 
But there's this one thing, this one concept that marathon runners do talk about that I find very intriguing. Um, and it's this thing they talk about hitting this invisible psychological wall. Have you guys heard about it? Yeah. And it, it happens sometime in the last six to eight miles of the marathon. And they describe this wall as a psychological moment where you feel like this utter despair, this sudden overwhelming fatigue, complete loss of energy, extreme weakness, blurred vision. And I, can, I totally can relate to that because that's how I feel when Stu talks to me about the marathon. <laughs> but in all seriousness, all seriousness, I am puzzled and, and just intrigued by the person who runs towards that type of pain, who starts their journey knowing that this wall is coming. And Stu, I will only say this once, so listen very carefully. I will never repeat this. There is a lot that we can learn from marathon runners like Stuart Bothwell. Because if you have decided to follow Jesus, not just hang around Jesus, you know, when he comes into town, you'll go to the meeting. No, if you have decided to take up your cross and to follow Jesus, you too have signed up for a marathon. And you too will hit the wall. In a book called The Critical Journey, Stages in the Life of Faith. Uh, Janet Hagberg and Robert Gulich. I practice those names over and over again. I have never heard those surnames before in my life. Well, they authored this book. They co-authored this book, and they created a diagram that I think is going to show up on the screen here. Um, I've put it in list form because I love a list. But it shows us the general landscape of this faith marathon some of us are running. Now I've changed the language of stages to seasons because I think it, it reflects better the nature of how this works. The fact that there's a very large element of lack of control or predictability in this. And much like the seasons, they cycle around and around. Now we're not gonna walk through every one of these seasons because we're gonna focus on that thing right in the middle, the wall, this morning. Now I wonder if you would classify yourself as an avoider. Anybody? I am an avoider. And I'm really sneaky about it because um, on the outside, I look like I am confronting life head on. I am adulting all over the place. But in the background and on the surface, I am carefully structuring my life to avoid pain and discomfort. But the reality is that in our lives, pain is going to come. In other words, for my fellow avoiders, it is unavoidable. But the reality is also emotionally healthy spirituality is largely shaped by how we navigate through the pain. But why, why do we need that sort of wall 
Why is that there? Why can't we sort of become who we're supposed to become without adversity, without all of that? What purpose does this wall actually serve in our marathon? Sometimes it can be difficult to see um, in the current Christian landscape that we live in where some of the loudest voices and the most eye-catchy churches and leaders paint a picture of faith that can annihilate adversity, sickness, and death this side of eternity. And whilst here at the Vineyard, we wholeheartedly believe in a God who is powerful and able and willing to heal and to bless, we also know that this side of eternity, hardship and heartache will still occur. The kingdom of God, you might have heard um, some people preach on this from the stage. We say the kingdom of God is now and not yet. And the wall is part of the not yet. When I was growing up, I used to go to church with um, my grandmother and my grandfather. And oddly enough, they went to two different churches. Did I ever tell you that? They went to two different churches. <laughs> uh, but uh, so it depended which, who you went with, what church you're going to go to. But there was this thing at both of my grandparents' church because it was an all-black country church. And one thing I love about growing up in the South in the black community is we love a good saying, like just a good catchy phrase. And I remember the preachers would always, there was always a good preach and there was always a moment where a preacher would say, but God. Right, so he's telling the story of something happening in the Bible and someone got to a really tough place and the, it was looking like it wasn't gonna happen. But God, he would say. And we love the but God moments because you knew when he said, but God, he was going to tell us about when the supernatural broke into a broken world. So I want to give you a but God moment. Because when you have to go through the wall, I want you to know, but God, in his overwhelming goodness, promises you that there will be no wall that you will ever encounter that he will not use for your good and for his glory. And if you want to read more about that in the word of God this week, I want you to focus on James chapter 1. It's an incredible book of how you go through hard times. But what exactly can God bring out? What good can he bring out of us going and hitting these walls and going through these walls that we will encounter in life. There's a guy named St. John of the Christ of the Cross who wrote a book called The Dark Night of the Soul, which is his name for the wall. And he cites these seven vices that God will address in every follower of Christ through the wall. 
The first one, spiritual pride. When we have a tendency to condemn others and become impatient with their faults, when we're very selective in who can teach us. Spiritual greed, being discontent with the spirituality that God gives us. We collect books, Christian content, and conferences, and and really cool talks or emotionally euphoric worship music rather than growing in poverty of spirit in our interior life. Luxury, when we take more pleasure in the blessings of God than God himself. Anger, when we're easily irritated, lacking kindness, and have a little patience to wait on God. Spiritual gluttony, when we resist the cross of Christ and choose pleasures like children. Spiritual gluttony, I just said that one. Spiritual envy, that one obviously bared repeating. Spiritual envy, when we feel unhappy, when others do well spiritually, when we're always comparing. The last one, spiritual sloth, when we run from that which is hard and our aim is spiritual sweetness and good feelings. I don't know about you, but I can safely say that I checked all those off as I was naming them. Yes, 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 that's me, that's me, that's me. Can you imagine our lives not being bound by those things? That is what can wait for us on the other side of adversity if we do it with Christ. I saw this meme the other day that said, was it a bad day or was it a bad five minutes that you milked all day? And then someone responded to the meme by saying, I didn't need that much personal attack, Karen. Many of us are low-key drama kings and drama queens parading around as calm, rational people. I mean, in my house, if one cereal box is left on the counter after breakfast, all of a sudden, no one in this house loves me or sees all of my hard work. Okay? But don't leave the cereal boxes on the counter. Put them away. So how do we know that we are actually hit a wall and we're not just having a bad day? And I know that sounds really silly, but sometimes I need someone to tell me because there's moments when I can, it can feel bigger than it is, right? So Pete Scazzaro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, if you have not read it, get it, read it. It's incredible. He writes this, the wall appears through a crisis that turns our world upside down. It comes perhaps through a divorce, a job loss, the death of a family member or a close friend, a cancer diagnosis, a disillusioning church experience, a betrayal, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, infertility, a deep desire to marry that remains unfulfilled, a dryness or loss of joy in our relationship with God. When, when we hit the wall, we can feel drawn to question God and the church almost obsessively and aggressively. We can have a heightened sense that our faith just isn't working. It feels ill-fitting and irrelevant. 
we can have a sense that there's no end in sight. This is how it is and this is how it will always be. And it's in this season that we do either one of three things. We walk away from faith entirely. We stop moving towards Jesus, becoming religious and toxic to ourselves and others. Or we lean in, however messy, however painful, however imperfect, and we stay engaged. Now we're all gonna get to the wall, probably a few different times in life. That's without question. The choice is if we go through the wall. Now, if you're not currently at a wall, you should prepare yourself for it, much like Stu likes to tell me how he prepares for his marathons. Prepare for the wall, you say. That's no fun. The last thing I want to do when life is okay is prepare for when maybe it gets hard. Um, Tommy Tiernan in his stand-up on the Michael McIntyre show in 2011 talks about the good times when the economy was booming in Ireland and, and the bad times after the economic downturn. And he says the economists started saying to them that they ruined the good times because they spent all their money and they didn't save anything. To which he says, well, that's what we were supposed to do. That's why they're called the good times. You can't be saving your money in the good times because when, when you do that, they're not the good times. They're in preparation for the bad times times. Now, I love Tommy, but I have to say, I don't think he's entirely right here. I think it is possible to enjoy the good times and prepare for potentially difficult times. So how do we prepare for the wall? I'm gonna move through this next part as quickly as I can. There's three things that I think are really important for us to do to help strengthen the structure of our lives and be ready whatever the future holds. The first thing, build your village. Build your village. If Andrew and I have said this once, we have said it a million times to anybody who has come to our home, sat on our sofas, asking for advice, newly engaged couples, newly married couples, married couples who are struggling, people who are about to become parents. At every stage of life, the first piece of advice we always give people is to build your village. Make sure that when you look around and you ask, who is standing beside me? Who can I be completely honest with? Who is going in the same direction, walking towards Jesus, who I can walk with? If you don't have two or three or more names, that pop in your head, it is time to start building your village. You would probably be surprised who's in my village, who's in our village. Your village is not always just the people who you have good crack with. 
You have to be really intentional about who you are going to walk and run this marathon with, okay? Build your village. And when you have a village, don't shrink away when someone in your village is in pain or going through a really hard time. You know that thing that when someone is walking through something that is horrible and you, don't, you feel like you don't know what to say? Show up. Show up. It's just as important for you as it is for them. Build your village. The second thing, build resilience. Become friends with discomfort. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? But trying to pad your life out so that you don't feel anything uncomfortable is not helpful for you. Pay attention to the story that you're telling yourself in your everyday inconveniences. Okay, I am guilty of this. I go to Sainsbury's to do my shop. I'm looking for a car space. A car, what do you call that? Parking space, thank you. I'm looking for a parking space. There are none close to the shop. I cannot believe this. I wish, why is everyone at the shop? Don't these people have something to do? Just yet another reason why today is so hard. It sounds so silly and so little, but the self-talk that you allow to go on in your mind during everyday inconveniences is actually building something in you. So do it intentionally. Lord, thank you so much that I have these legs that can walk me from the back of the car park into the shop. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you also that I'm gonna get some steps on my step watch. It sounds silly, but you know what I mean, right? The third thing, choose a rhythm. Small things that you do every day, no matter how you feel, okay? Stu is actually one of the people in my life who teaches me about this the most, okay? I know for Stu, you read a psalm a day, don't you? Amongst other things, I think Stu's rhythm is probably way bigger than mine and way more developed. But he started small. He read a psalm a day. Andrew does this thing called first word, last word. Before he reaches for his phone, first thing in the morning, he first reaches for his Bible, opens it up. He starts to read until he feels like the Holy Spirit speaks to him. Sometimes he reads one scripture, sometimes he reads 20. And he does that the same thing, the last thing every night. I'm not talking about that you have to do three hour prayer times. Small repeating patterns that you know are gonna happen no matter what. I've taken to getting up in the morning and walking. And while I'm walking, I will listen to scripture for part of that walk. Sometimes, not sometimes, every day before dinner, whenever we sit down to have dinner, we sing as a family the doxology together. Guys, 
I don't have it in me to do super spiritual stuff every day. I'm not there yet. But these little things that I put in my life, they produce a connection between me and God that I cannot tell you why it works. But being faithful at something, God loves it. God loves it when we pick something small and we say, we're going to give you even the small faithfulness. He says, I will meet you there and I will enhance that faithfulness. What you get back will be incredible. So build your village, build resilience, and choose a rhythm. What happens when the wall comes, when you hit that wall, when you find yourself as the psalmist puts it, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Three things. Maintain your connection with your village. For some reason, when we go through hard things, a lot of us want to shrink back, isolate, disconnect. I know I do. That's my natural way. Do the opposite. Maintain your connection. Number two, acknowledge that pain and practice the resilience. I told you about the black church um, at home. One of the things I learned the most from growing up in the black community, one of my other phrases that I love the most is when you were going through a tough time, you would hear one of the old mothers of the church, that's what they called the elderly women, the mothers of the church, would come to you and they would grab your hand and they would say, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Sometimes there's nothing else to say, is there? There's nothing to make you feel better. This too shall pass. God has always been faithful, and he's not about to break his perfect track record by not being faithful to you. The third thing is you can trust your rhythm. We live on the side of a mountain now, and I tell you what, I have never experienced wind speeds. (laughs) On a good day, on a good sunny day when all is still down here, we are being swept away. And so when there's an actual storm, I remember one time we were standing on the mountain before the house was um, um, built, and my, my smallest child, August, was there, and August is just like built like an athlete, right? There's not a bit of fat on him, all muscle. And I was, I felt the wind coming. I mean, I could, I could have leaned and the wind would have held me up, right? And something in me said, grab August. And as I grabbed August, I literally felt his wee body sort of lift a little bit off the ground. (laughs) And it's in those moments that I'm like thanking God for them steel structures that we spent money on that we can't see and the insulation and all this thing. It's in those moments that I'm glad we invested in the unseen parts of our house. So once you put your rhythm in place, those are the unseen parts of your house. And the good news is when you get through the wall, And you know when you get through the wall. We were sitting with good friends of ours last week who have just gone through a a crazy wall. 
And I remember sitting in our living room with him and I remember feeling like I was on holy ground, like I was having this supernatural experience sitting in the same room with him. And do you know all that was? All that was was because he went through the wall with Jesus and he came out and he is not the same. And you know when you go through the wall with Jesus because you have this sense that you no longer need to be well known by people. You don't need to be driven by what people think of you or what popular culture's idea of success in your life is, but you feel this invigorated sense of focus on God's will and his view of who you are. When like Paul, you come to be deeply content no matter the situation. And when you have that sense that you have uncovered and discovered yet another layer of your true self in Christ. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. You should know that you are not in a church in a community of of perfect people. The people who speak from the front here, who lead you in worship, who send you emails through the week, who work in the office, who are your pastors, your tribe, they, they, they don't have these, these positions because they're perfect. But the beautiful thing is, many of these people I have known for years, and I have watched them on their own marathon, and I have watched them hit a wall and go through it with Jesus and come out better, transformed, closer to God. And I'm telling you this to say, this is how I want you to respond this week to this week's talk. We are going to worship together for a minute, but the response this week is I want you to, if you're saying I want to build my structure better, I want to prepare. I want to go through life with Jesus, walking towards Jesus, and knowing that when I hit the wall, I have these things in my life so that I can go through the wall. Then what I want you to do is I want you to go on the LVV website. I want you to go to the part where it says contact us. And I just want you to pick an email because every single person that works for our community is an incredible person. And I want you to send an email and I want you to say, I want to set up a pastoral call or visit or coffee. And I want to figure out how I can better do this. How I can invest in the structure of my life so that when the day of hardship comes, I can say I've done everything and after I've done it all, I can stand. That's what we want for you.
That is what we want for you. Would you stand with me if you can? Worship team, come on back up. There is not, no amount of good preaching, of good singing, that can do this for you. The choice to send that email, to reach out to that person, to build that village, that's all us, isn't it? That's all you. So we're going to worship together. And I want you to think about what your next step is after today. I want you to listen for the voice of God. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.